This is episode 44 with Stacy Griggs, president and CEO of El Toro. You're listening to The Multiplier Effect, an Endeavor podcast. Well, and I think that um, especially when you look at like long-term talent attraction and retention, that um, you know, creating new projects for people to work on um, is, is an important component of that because ultimately, you know, people want to progress up into an organization. And Welcome back to an all-new episode of The Multiplier Effect. This week, we're excited to be sharing an amazing interview with our Endeavor Louisville office. Managing Director Jackson Andrews sits down with Stacy Griggs, President and CEO of Alturo, to discuss how he has scaled his team through strategic employee development and training programs, ultimately building an iconic employer brand for the region. By 2013, Alturo had begun to make headlines in their hometown of Louisville. The tone of the organization began to shift from a startup out of a basement to a company that had the opportunity of revolutionizing programmatic media through the patent approach of matching physical addresses to IP addresses. IP targeting is 100% cookie-free and connects with real people at an unparalleled accuracy, eliminating the ad fraud they sought to combat. With a 95% or greater confidence level, El Toro has become the premier choice for digital advertising and their company culture certainly matches the iconic ad culture identity. Now in 2021, El Toro is home to over 100 plus local employees. The team says their culture is a crafted combination of madman energy and Silicon Valley with a 350 plus bottle bourbon bar, all mixed into one enviable environment. When they aren't changing the world with their ad tech, they cut it up with the team playing foosball, ping pong, and having a neat bourbon. Prior to joining El Toro, Stacy was president and CEO for Align Cloud, a cloud consulting company. Previously, Mr. Griggs was an executive for See Beyond, a publicly Traded cloud communications company. He joined the team in 2010 as part of the acquisition of Maximum ASP, where he was vice president of sales and marketing. Prior to Maximum ASP, Stacy held a series of positions at hosting.com, including chief sales officer, chief service officer, and general manager for their flagship Delaware data center. We're excited to share Stacy's insights with you today. So Jackson, take it away. All right. So your, your name's Jackson Andrews? That is correct. And you're Stacy Greggs? Yeah, that's great. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. And it's a pleasure talking with you today. Uh, Stacy's a great friend, an Endeavor entrepreneur, of course, and leading a high-tech, high-growth company headquartered out of Louisville. And you've built that business up to 125 employees uh, and continuing to grow. And you've also done that by bootstrapping the business, which is not always the path of kind of these high growth tech companies, particularly on the coast, but you've bucked that trend. How have you, you know, managed to develop uh, such a robust uh, tech team as you've scaled? I would say a couple of things. First of all, when you look at bootstrapping, it's a lot easier to bootstrap a company in a place like Louisville, Kentucky, than it is in a place like San Francisco or New York, where real estate costs you three times as much and everything pretty much costs you twice as much. And in a place like Louisville, Kentucky, where someone can buy a single family home for $200,000, it's pretty doggone nice. There are advantages uh, to affordability for not only our employees, but also for us scaling a business in, in Louisville. When you look at, uh, you know, a disadvantage of, uh, you know, places that are, you know, kind of in, you know, 
kind of the middle part of America, you know, one of the disadvantages people talk about is a talent pool that, you know, there isn't as much talent in a town with a million people as there is in a town with five million people. And of course, uh, that, that, that only makes sense. Uh, but, you know, the reality is places like Louisville have long been exporters of talent, that you've got really talented people here that had to move away because they didn't have cool jobs and opportunities to uh, scale and do world-changing work for technology companies. And we're offering them, us along with other companies in the Louisville ecosystem, are now offering people an option to stay and, and do world-class work and change the world uh, from their hometown. Or if it's not their hometown, to find a new hometown in Louisville that is a really friendly and easy place to work. Yeah, and one of the really interesting things that you all did in terms of uh retaining talent in the market, uh, which I'd love for you to speak about, is uh, our University of Louisville didn't have a particular subject matter being taught. Uh, so how did you go about resolving that, kind of growing your own tech talent pool? It's a pretty cool pretty cool hack that you all did. Yeah, so Louisville is a great partner for us, um, as is the Bellarmine University, the University of Kentucky. We, we partner with a number of educational institutions, but Louisville is the 800-pound gorilla here in town, uh, and we have a very open line of communications with a number of the professors from a number of different departments, and as they launched a Master's of Science in Business Analytics, um, you know, we were very excited. We started hiring some graduates out of there and and, in a session at the office where we were talking about the program and what we liked about it, what we we thought could be improved, we told the the leadership for the School of Business that uh, it would be helpful for us if they taught Power BI. Uh, Power BI is a Microsoft tool, uh, very much like Tableau, to do uh, data visualization. a lot, of, a lot of people use it for you know, the front end of advanced analytics, and they didn't have anyone mm-hmm. on their prof- professorial staff that knew Power BI that felt comfortable teaching it. So as we started talking through the issue, they said, well, you know, could you give us some people to teach that course? And we have two of our people that became adjunct faculty at the University of Louisville uh, and are extraordinarily popular professors because they actually do this for a living. Uh, so it gives them a, uh, it gives gives them some extra credentials on their resume and it gives us additional people that come out with a more appropriate skill match for us. And it also gives us some talent scouts within the program uh, that their professors are people that work for us. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you got to love instead of complaining about the fact they weren't teaching which, uh, what you all needed. Um, you just went in there, created the program, created the the professors and and started building your own your own team for more senior folks, right? Um, which is, of course, very uh, important. And El Toro is an ad tech company, but very, very, you know, data analytics and techni- technically driven. So beyond the kind of master's, you know, tech professional, you've also done something interesting on the entry level space with the the running of the bulls internship program. So talk to us about that and, and also where you've attracted um, interns from, which is, as I understand it, across the entire United States. It's not, it's not, um, isolated to, to just 
our region. So as we scale, we realized that we were going to need to be able to identify talent and keep that talent in Louisville or attract that talent to Louisville. And uh, and many of our staff, in fact, over half of our staff started as interns with us. Yeah, when you're wow. when you're a company that you know starts at a you know at you know, we were six employees eight years ago, and when you look at things like uh, ad operations, you know there aren't training programs for ad operations in the city of Louisville. And in fact, if you go outside of New York and Los Angeles, you're really not going to find any large-scale concentrations of people that do ad operations. Uh, when you look at you know many of the things we do, we, we realized we needed to build a talent pool. So we came up with a, an intern program that we call Running with the Bulls, uh, very structured that uh, people go through a very structured process, a very structured interview process. We take about one out of every 10 people that apply. So it's extraordinarily competitive to get in. And then with the summer session in particular, we see students that uh, are interested in Louisville, that are Louisville student, you know, Louisville, Louisville natives that might have went away to school. Uh, so we end up attracting students from Yale, from Penn, from Penn State, from Michigan, from you know this uh, this, this basket of uh, you know really top flight universities all over the U.S. that. Uh, come here and spend the summer with us for our summer program. The non-summer programs, we run at three three cycles a year, are typically smaller because you've got uh, not every um, university is as uh, you know, non-summer intern friendly as the University of Louisville is. And Louisville, actually, one of, their, one of the really interesting things about their comp sci program is they've got a five-year BSMS in comp sci and uh, they expect people to really intern every other semester, uh, which is a uh, kind of fantastic way for you to get practical skills. Beyond the, the uh, technical skills, they also get to learn a certain regional craft. What craft might that be that an intern at El Toro masters? Are you talking about witchcraft? <laughs> no. Close to uh, it. No. So, no, we do not uh, train people in witchcraft, uh, but we uh, we do uh, use uh, the art of distilling as uh, as uh, you know an interesting uh, teaching tool in the intern process. And uh, you know, if college is anything like it was when I was there, you know, being able to turn sugar and water and yeast into liquor is a pretty valuable engineering skill. Uh, and uh, you know, and, and we're trying to you know kind of marry the high tech with you know, kind of the Kentucky legacy of, um, you know, really, you know, give people a full flavor of what it's like to be and live in Louisville. So that leads into company culture. Uh, El Toro has a reputation for being a cool place to work. It has quite literally been voted one of the coolest places to work uh, in the region. And so it's very well known. You know, how did you all think about building your culture? What what pieces of, of building that culture were intentional and what were kind of the, the you know, the serendipity that, that, that occurred as, as you all were growing at one point, 12,034% year over year. I mean, something just crazy, which puts you in the fastest growing tech companies in the United States. Um, you know, as you're experiencing such rapid growth, how did you intentionally and unintentionally build that culture? 
Yeah, we, uh, as you mentioned, we were named uh, 13th fastest growing company by Deloitte uh, in public or private uh, in technology in North America three or four years ago and 12, 13,000 percent over, over a three year span. So crazy growth. And you know, we really, you know, first of all, you know, this is an office, you know, lots of places say they've got an open culture and an open office environment. We, we literally don't have offices. Everybody sets at, you know, a series of very open tables including me uh, and we want to have a scenario that uh, you know like everybody's approachable and everybody's open uh, the the only doors we have here we have a door on finance and legal because occasionally they need to have co- you know confidential conversations uh, but uh, everybody else uh, you know sits in your know, kind of team pod areas and we really abide by the adage that if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go with others and we want people to go far and yeah, we're a very when you bring in a lot of you know kind of newer talent uh, that go, matriculates through your process as an intern you've got to be an organization that's very focused on teaching and learning uh, where you can take somebody who's an intern today and they're an analyst in a year and they might be a team lead in two years and they might be a manager or director in three years and you know that that sort of steep career progression is something that um, you know some Sometimes people just don't understand. We'll interview people and, and say, look, you know, we'd, we'd like you to start as an intern, but, you know, like look at people who've been here three to five years and look at the roles that they're in and think about like if you start you know, maybe as an analyst someplace else, but look at the people that have been there three to five years, how many of them are still analysts or, or whatever that job is. And, you know, we give people an ability to grow and progress really fast, which uh, attracts a, um, you know, a very talented and and assertive talent base and, and it gives us a, a nice way to kind of you know build that culture but we also like when you get to this size you want to encourage uh, particip- participation and like what should the culture be going forward uh, we had a group of employees when we moved into our new headquarters and they said you know what we should have bees uh, and uh, yeah so they uh, they they you know got a plan together and went out and bought some beehives and now we've got a couple of beehives on the roof uh, you know we uh, you know we have a culture committee that uh, decides on you know what sort of team activities we want to do and what sort of things we want to you know as a company uh, get involved with because you know if, if I decide those things people aren't really going to have ownership for them uh, if my partners decide those things people aren't going to have ownership for them but if you know, our team decides those things they're going to feel a lot of investment ownership in those that's awesome so taking uh, culture, you know, a step further beyond El Toro. Um, let's talk about the Gateway to Nulu building, which uh, is the headquarters, the brand new headquarters um, for El Toro and a number of other tech companies that uh, El Toro and some other partners uh, recently built and developed uh, in a in a very burgeoning neighborhood on the kind of edge of downtown Louisville. Um, you're not just building a company culture; you're now be building a, a a, a regional and citywide culture. So, talk about that, and what was the impetus between that that development? Well, and and when you think about it, one of the things missing from Louisville, and probably missing from a lot of places outside of the coast, is density. That uh, you, you've got these cool companies doing things, but uh, in Louisville, they're scattered all over the place. And you know, how often do you run into uh, another executive with one of those companies, or a software developer, data scientist with one of those companies at a coffee shop 
or a restaurant or just walking down the street. And the more of those collisions you have, the more opportunities you're going to have to collaborate and work together. And um, we figured if, you know, when we were moving, why don't we be intentional about building some density? So we bought a much bigger building than we needed. Uh, we take up uh, all of the fourth floor and half of the third floor. Uh, Interapt, which is another Endeavor company and on a rapid scale of um, process, takes up the other half of the third floor. Uh, Edge Analytics, uh, which is uh, an Endeavor company, uh, takes up about half of the second floor. And then there's Endeavor's offices, mm-hmm. uh, actually on the second floor. Uh, there's a couple of other uh, kind of uh, you know scale ups that are in, in uh, on the second floor. And then there's a co-working space on the first floor uh, that is owned by uh, a company called Logic, which is uh, you know kind of the pivot for the Moose Lodge, uh, the Moose International. And, uh, and and it's really interesting because one of the co-working companies just raised uh, their their first round of uh, institutional capital, and it was a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you've got you know all of these you know people attracting you know financial resources and talent all in this building. And then today was a fantastic day because it's sunny outside. People are finally back to work. People are mass free. I walked four blocks down to you know this area is really undergoing a lot of redevelopment. So I walked four blocks down to a new sandwich shop that I hadn't been to yet. And I probably saw 20 people uh, between people I know, people that work for El Toro, just in this walk four blocks down to get a sandwich. And uh, you know, this idea of collisions and density really is working. Yeah, absolutely. I can certainly attest to to the amount of activity that's occurring in, in not just the building, but across across the neighborhood. And it's really, it's really inspiring a a lot of action and a lot of activity. So as you know, uh, Endeavor's co-founder and CEO, Linda Rotenberg, um, oftentimes likes to say that uh, crazy is a compliment. So call me crazy. You know, what has been your call me crazy moment or moments? Well, you know, I, I certainly think there's a certain amount of craziness that goes into fi- uh, like uh, you know getting involved in any sort of startup. And you know, my uh, my partners uh, were a couple of people in a room working on uh, this uh, technology, and you know, there was kind of this um, you know like lucky chance in life that uh, I was part of an exit. Uh, I had stayed around with the people that we'd exited to for a while, and uh, was looking to leave. And you know, they were looking to bring somebody on the team that um, you know what their job description was they wanted somebody with a shirt with buttons. Uh, they, you know, like they, they wanted a grown up, uh, you know, kind of, you know, be able to be in meetings and that type of stuff. So, uh, and I certainly had shirts with buttons. So I, you know, I met the minimum. I've, I can attest. I've seen you yeah. with shirts and buttons. I met the minimum requirements for the job and uh, spent a couple of weeks with them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and at the end of a couple of weeks realized that, you know, this technology and this company had a chance to be very special. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that's, you know, that's one of those, like, but, you know, when you're sitting down, you're looking at, like, I could work anywhere. I could work in any town. I could work, you know, but, like, you know, like, I want to join, you know, this this group of insurgents that say, hey, you know what, Google and Facebook are getting it wrong, and we're going to be better than them. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and uh, and then you, you look at, like, uh, a more recent crazy moment, um, you, know, you know, my partners and I are, are very much... Um, serial entrepreneurs and uh, as Bitcoin and cryptocurrency have gotten uh, gotten uh, you know 
more traction, we looked at it and said there's a, a play to uh, take uh, cheap power from stranded natural gas, put a generator on a natural gas well, and take that power and convert it into cryptocurrency and convert that cryptocurrency into cash. We added a, a fairly um, fairly sophisticated hedging strategy to it, and uh, we're in the process of uh, raising $22 million for a side project to uh, go out and do natural gas crypto mining. <laughs> Which also achieves that goal um, in a in a much envir- much more environmentally friendly uh, manner. So it's kind of a double yeah, I mean, double most, impact. Most crypto mining today is you know, is coal. It comes out of China, and you know the uh, you know when you look at uh, crypt when you look at crypto mining uh, natural gas, it's ten times less uh, carbon emissions than coal. Uh, you know, so it gives us a, a very uh, you know a very much more earth friendly way to you know produce cryptocurrency. Uh, and you know the other thing is this is the first time I, in my lifetime I've actually seen something move away from China and move into a place like the United States. But China is uh, really cracking down on crypto because crypto generally represents freedom. Uh, you know, if you look at how the Chinese control their population, it's largely through monetary policy and obviously tanks. Uh, but um, you know, like if they can't control their monetary policy, they lose control of their populace. And they're really cracking down on, on cryptocurrency because it represents a lot loss of control for the Chinese government. And now that they're closing down mines in China, those mines, the next logical place is here. Uh, you know, I've talked to you know people that are looking at like Kazakhstan. I'm like, so you're going to trade one unstable government uh, for another uh, or, or one unfriendly government for another potentially unfriendly government? Uh, you know, I mean, th- you, know, you know, this is a, a really interesting advantage that the U.S. has that we're really exporting, you know, the fact that uh, we have freedom uh, and uh, and that our government is allowing us to, uh, you know, exercise that freedom. Yeah. So that that brings up uh, an interesting point uh, that I hadn't thought to mention, but, uh, you know, we at Endeavor certainly love the multiplier effect. You know, when companies scale, grow rapidly fast, they, of course, drive job creation and, and the revenue and wealth creation that comes with that. Um, but they also are then able to influence the ecosystem much in the way that you all have in terms of physically building tech density in the market. But it also spins out new companies. So you all are not just still scaling El Toro at an extremely rapid rate. You've spun out uh, about Bit, the Bitcoin mining operation. You've spun out a company called Trim.co, which is a which is a on-demand hair care. Uh, the company that that individuals and uh, corporates uh, can provide to their employee bases. Uh, a, a great uh, early stage company, Untitled uh, or El Toro alumni. So now you're seeing El Toro not just spin out other companies, uh, but spin out new entrepreneurs, and that culture kind of permeates the um, the El Toro. Uh, headquarters, and that you're going to get to work on a whole lot of very, very interesting things, certainly core to El Toro's business. But Monday, it could be core to El Toro's business. Tuesday, you know, you may get tapped on the shoulder to to work on Bitcoin mining. And that's, that's a fascinating culture and certainly a, a new revelation in the Louisville market. Well, and I think that um, especially when you look at like long-term talent attraction and retention, that um, you know creating 
new projects for people to work on um, is is an important component of that because ultimately you know people want to progress up into an organization and you know if the CEO is not going anywhere and the COO is not going anywhere and the CTO isn't going anywhere then like how do they continue to progress up and move forward uh, if uh, you've got people kind of locked in at those roles and one of the ways to do that is to create similar or th- those same roles but in a company that is adjacent or interrelated or spun out or you know any of a number of uh, things that uh, you know give people some additional opportunity yeah that's fantastic all right so some quick rapid fire questions um i hope you're ready these are going to be really intense Name a company and CEO. Thrive. <laughs> name a company. I said Thrive. Uh, so. Name a company and CEO that most inspires you. Company and CEO that most inspires me. So I'm gonna like uh, split it between two. Uh, so, you know, uh, mm-hmm. ins- inspirational CEO David Jones Senior, uh, who founded Humana, um, was uh, just super meaningful to a lot of folks here in Louisville, and is the reason we have Endeavor in Louisville. And uh, you know, I would, uh, you know, I hope to be, you know, some fraction of uh, or have some fraction of the impact on Louisville that he's had on on uh, or that he had on Louisville during his life. Uh, from a company standpoint, you know, I, I love what Amazon does. You know, that Amazon goes out and, you know, Amazon started selling books. And, you know, they were Barnes and Noble online. And from there, they said, well, if we can sell books online, why don't we sell other stuff online? And then from there, they said, well, if we're going to have this cloud infrastructure to sell stuff online, why don't we sell this cloud infrastructure to other people? And, you know, and they've continued to take this like they started as a Barnes and Noble competitor and they've you know continued to build out in concentric circles to the point where they're one of the largest companies in the world today by looking at how. You know, what are our advantages and what problems can we solve better than anyone else? Yeah. What are you reading or listening to right now beyond the Multiplier Effect podcast, of course? So I, uh, I just listened to a podcast uh, called Missing on 9-11. Um, and uh, it was about a, uh, in fact, uh, it's serialized. So I'm waiting for the next episode to come out. But I caught up on like the first six episodes. And it's about a uh, doctor named Sneha that uh, disappeared on 9-10, uh, one day before the World Trade Center attacks and uh, kind of the investigation into what actually happened to her. And uh, the... Uh, the host is a guy named John Walzak who did uh, something called Missing in Alaska, which I listened to uh, last month, which was really uh, a really interesting podcast about uh, uh, two U.S. congressmen, Hill uh, uh, Boggs, and uh, I'll remember the other guy's name in a minute, that disappeared in a plane in Alaska in the 1970s and were never found. Very interesting. What's some of the best business advice you've ever received? There's a lot of great business advice I've received, but you know, I would say some of the best is don't give up. Uh, you know, it is so easy to quit. Uh, in fact, you know, I uh, you know I, I got a little tired of the fail fast mantra for a while. Uh, you know, because like every time I go into a meeting with people in the startup world, they'll be like, "Fail fast." I'm like, "Try not failing." Uh, you know, like like <laughs> how about fail less? Uh, you know, but uh, you know, the, the reality is, if you know you're right, you're gonna like you're gonna have lots of opportunities to give up. You're gonna have lots of opportunities to fail, and you should. You know, like. 
if you know you're right, stick it out. Be right. Uh, because, you know, there are lots of examples of companies that were on the precipice of failure or, uh, you know, a great example. Uh, and this, uh, this was a great documentary, um, Industrial Magic or General Magic, not General Magic. Um, yeah, so General Magic, General Magic uh, yep. good documentary that's out right now. And, um, you know, they, uh, you know, the folks at General Magic knew they were right. Uh, they wanted to invent what was you know, basically the iPhone or the Android phone. Uh, they went out and, you know, created a really clunky device that was several years too early and, you know, went public, had lots of fanfare, ended up, ended up failing. Uh, but you might say, hold on, that's the end of the story, right? They mm-hmm. failed. But the person that actually invented the iPhone was one of their engineers. The person that invented the Android was one of their engineers. One of their support techs was uh, Pierre Odomer, uh the uh, you know, founder of eBay. Uh, and, you know, so you look at all of this success that came out of something that was failure because people there knew they were right. They just ran out of time and ran out of money. Uh, so, like, e- even after the failure of the company, those engineers didn't give up and they said, this is still going to be a problem we solve. Yeah, they weren't wrong. They were just early. Mm-hmm. Well, Stacy, we're coming up on time. I want to leave you uh, the opportunity for some final words of wisdom and, and maybe uh, paint us a picture of where you think El Toro can go and how it can be. You know, our team is, and myself included, are you know, convinced that we can become one of the leading ad tech companies in the world. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that, you know, the leaders today include companies like Google and Facebook. Uh, and when I say leading, I mean leading in revenue, leading in, you know, leading in staff. You know, we, we believe that we are the most accurate way to digitally target ads and then to measure whether they work. And, you know, when you look at the digital ad ecosystem, what most people measure simply doesn't matter. They measure clicks and click-through rate and cost per click. And that doesn't matter. What really matters is I spent $100,000. How many customers did I get? You know, what was my ROI on that $100,000? And that's the thing that nobody else bothers to, like, measure. And that's 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 our, that's our bag. That's what we do. Uh, so, you know, we think we're going to change the world and we're going to do it a very meaningful way and we're in the early innings of doing that um you know when i look at uh, a place like louisville uh, i mean the the amount of innovation and the rate of change here has just accelerated so much in the last couple of years that uh you know i think of louisville very much of you know if you look at nashville 15 years ago or if you look at atlanta maybe 20 years ago that's what you get with louisville today you get nashville and atlanta without the traffic uh and 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 at you know <laughs> Uh, at, at a third less cost. Well, Stacy, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, thanks as always uh, for what you do as an Endeavor entrepreneur, as an Endeavor board member, uh, and as an Apex Apex entrepreneur building the next world-changing ad tech behemoth. And we'll know, we know you're going to do it. Thanks. Special thanks to Stacy for joining us on the show. For more information about this episode, head to our website at the Multiplier Effect Podcast.org. See you next week for an all-new episode. 